And welcome to our last spooky edition of the Geeky Waffle. I'm Bree, and with me is my co-host, Mac. Hello. And our guest, Ryan Showers from Scream with Ryan Showers. So happy to have you. I am very happy uh, to be here. Um, so, you know, I started my podcast, uh, Scream with Ryan C. Showers, uh, back a few months ago. And it's, uh, I, I'm just... I'm honored that it's uh, you know, that you know about it enough to invite me on. So thank you. Yes. And yes, we are talking all about Scream today and the Scream franchise. And both Mac and Ryan love the series as much as I do, which is amazing because at the Geeky Waffle, if you don't know already, Candace, Arzu, and Vanessa all don't like horror movies. So I am alone. <laughs> Gosh. You know, I feel like horror movies, uh, people who don't like them, I feel like people who do like them really like them. And then people who really don't really don't like it's like there's there's extremes here. But I feel like people who love horror movies, we're almost like a family in a way. It's honestly true. And I I know I've talked about this with Mac a lot before. but It's like horror movies tend to be the most accepting genre. Mm-hmm. Of, like, so many different things, LGBTQ themes. Just the misfit theme in general seems to very resonate with this genre, which I love, and probably why I found Solace in it as well. Yeah, they've always reached out to, you know, the people who are kind of on the outskirts a little bit and the kind of quote unquote weird kids, so to speak. And so I've always found the horror genre and the community associated with it to be pretty, you know, open. And the thing that unites us is our love for horror. And it's just really fun to be able to chat about stuff like this with people like you guys. Well, one thing I really love about horror movies is it gives women so many awesome opportunities with roles like female actors the the roles that women get in horror movies are so layered and complex fun and layered and you, uh, th- those roles don't exist in a lot of uh, mainstream uh, movies for women so they i honestly think, don't yeah and i that's also mm-hmm. scream i mean scream is like the roles of sydney prescott and gail weathers are two of the best roles ever ever in movies or tv for women they really are. And I, I wonder what they thought when they first read the script to a screen, because I would have been so excited to read that just as an actor in general. Like these are meaty roles. It's one of the reasons why Tony Collette even said yes to Hereditary, because I don't think she understood really what the horror genre allows to a lot of people, since it's not even considered prestigious in the eyes of the Academy, Golden Globes, everything like that. I know. I know. <laughs> I both... <laughs> It's a crime. Ryan was rolling his eyes and I was like, I feel it. I feel it. (laughs) You know, people people who know me in real life know I roll my eyes a lot and I sigh a lot. Even like my my law professor today, right before class started, I let out this huge sigh and I rolled my eyes. My professor was like, you good, bro? I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) To your point, Toni Collette is a perfect example. Like, and that's probably the best role of her career in terms of just how, uh, the, the meat. And like, I think that is something about the horror genre that is especially great. And I think it also plays into this, the systemic battle women and female actors face because the one genre that allows them so many possibilities is the one that's the outskirts or what's not accepted by, like, as you said, the Academy. So it's, yeah. I know it's a really interesting I love comedies, but in comedies, women are often used as just like props for men. And it's really, sometimes it can be funny if it's written well, but at the same time, is that really funny if we keep doing the same trope? Not really. And so like, I love in horror that it's just this breakout of fascinating characters from everyone you know not just one person is fascinating everyone is well can i just say too something about like this you know sydney and gail something that makes them so great as just characters in general for women is like they've grown so much and evolved over these four movies and what we will see in january the fifth movie and that just opportunities like that just like they're not so openly available to women you know all the time and i i think sydney and gail are two of the best characters like i said ever written and i think sydney prescott is the defining final girl in a lot of ways i mean a lot of people probably pick would probably pick jamie lee curtis and halloween over her i think sydney is a more consistent character and she's investigated in a deeper way and she has such an amazing arc especially in the first three films that i just feel like no other final girl or really character in a horror movie has been explored in that way 
It's interesting that you brought this up. I was, I watched Halloween Kills, actually Mac did too. And I feel like just now, Jamie Lee Curtis is getting somewhat of an arc. If you look in the past movies, she doesn't have those layers that we love and adore. You know, it's not complicated. And Sydney and Gail too. I mean, she goes through her own journey alone. But Sydney, we really go through that journey with her on having our suspicions, being confused, you know, by truce and maybe fake truce. And then our realization we go all through that with her and I, mm-hmm. it's such an experience and I feel like that's why I personally really resonate with Sid because you share that experience with her. Yeah. Right. And when we start the movie, we find Sydney in this, you know, kind of broken spot that Halloween Kills and Halloween 2018 explored with Lori, where she has these this trauma of losing her mother in a horrible way only a year prior to the movie's events. And so when we check in with Sydney, you know, she's still dealing with the trauma of losing her mother. And she's also kind of juggling getting back into the swing of real life. And so when Scream begins, you kind of get the feeling like Sydney's just now probably starting to go out with her friends again. She's just now kind of opening out from her shell, which adds this extra layer of tragedy when the death around her just starts, you know, piling up again. Oh, and can I just add to that? Like, in I think Sydney's arc really is about, especially in the original trilogy, she is, uh, by, the, by Scream 3, she is so like uh, she is consumed with this, this like uh, the, this anxiety that she doesn't know who her mom was and she doesn't understand who, who her mom and what you know she thinks that her life is just clouded by all these secrets and i think like all of that is present in this in the first screen but i don't i don't think those issues are really unlocked until the finale of Scream 1, where she realizes mm-hmm. there was this whole other side to Maureen that was that had nothing to do with Cotton Weary. she was sleeping with you know Billy's dad you know and i think that's something that we don't a journey like that is something that we don't really see a lot in horror movies where a three film, a three pronged, you know, step to, you know, self-actualization and overcoming something. Uh, and I think that's what's so special about Sydney in the original trilogy, especially. She's always interesting. And I'm sure she's going to be amazing in Scream 5. I just, I have this, I think we're going to see a different side of Sydney in Scream 5. We're going to see a very driven side. Um, whereas we're in the original trilogy, especially Scream 1 and 3, we really explore her trauma in, in a really deep way. I just love Sydney Prescott. I could talk about her forever. So I know. She's amazing. She honestly is. Like, I, I rewatch. I think I've rewatched Scream a million times over just because how much I, I love the characters, especially Sydney. And I love Gail and her relationship with Dewey. Seems like it wouldn't work, you know? And then throughout the countless of massacres that they've lived through, they've definitely developed a bond that's really kind of endearing and sweet. And so I'm a little nervous about what Scream 5 is going to bring because I think it's going to shake things up. Well, and the thing about Gail that makes her interesting in contrast to Sydney is Gail, you know, Sydney is a deep, is, is a deeper character. We go through so many layers with her. Whereas Gail is a more complex and involved character. I think Gail becomes, she becomes a different person from Scream 1 to 3 and even 1 to 4 than who we, you know, than Sydney. Whereas Sydney's always, she's still the same person. It's just that she we work through her issues with her. And I think having those two side by side and their, their personalities are so different. And I think that's what makes them so cool as co-final girls in a way. Yeah, for sure. I have to ask, when did you both see Scream? And what were your, like, first thoughts about seeing the movie? Okay, well, so I first saw it. I I was in sixth grade. I saw it weirdly around Christmas time. It was, it was like, weirdly, it wasn't planned this way, but it was around this, the, the same anniversary day that it came out in theaters, like, 10 years before. I was, it was in 2006. And I, it was the first, it was the first, like, R-rated movie I saw. And um, I did it, didn't, I didn't ask my mom. I didn't know it was rated R. I just, I saw, you know, Courtney Cox, because I loved her from Friends. I rented it from the video store and, I went to a Christmas party the next night, that, that following night after watching it. And it's all I could think about. So the next day I had my grandparents take me to the video store. We got Scream 2 and 3. And I, like you said, like how you just described that element of rewatching, like that's how I have felt about Scream. Like I, I, I've rewatched Scream so many times. Like I'm not joking. I probably have seen the first three 
at least 500 times, if not more. <laughs> um, but no, I love them all. And I think I like two more than one. And I, I, Scream 3 has always been my favorite. So I've just been, I've been amazed by them on character levels, on just like the narrative levels and the fun and the momentum and surprises and the thrills that they bring. I've, they're just home to me. That's really beautiful. Like, I, I totally understand that. How about you, Mac? When did uh, you first see it? So I first saw Scream also when I was in high school. I'm thinking I was around 16 and I was at a family member's house for about a week. And I actually, I had heard a little bit about the Scream movies and I was intrigued because I also really liked Wes Craven and I loved Nightmare on Elm Street. And so I ended up binging all four of these movies, like almost back to back. And it was awesome. It was such an experience because I felt like I could go on Sydney's journey with her from the start and just sit down and, you know, go through all these horrible things with her and see her emerge as a stronger person. And so I just, I really liked the comedy. I loved the references to Wes Craven's other horror movies like Nightmare on Elm Street, for example. I loved Courtney Cox as Gail. And I just thought that it was a perfect, like, you know, mid-90s film for for us who you know we we grew up in the 90s i was born in 94 so we still those movies i think have that nostalgia factor to them as well but yeah so that was my experience with the scream movies is binging them back to back and really having a great time loving scream i think i loved you know similar to ryan here i love each one a little more than the previous one but scream 3 is definitely my favorite which i know is kind of weird horror community seems a little bit divided on that <laughs> i love that i I think I saw it in high school because before that, I will say this, I was terrified of everything. I I think I was at a slumber party and like when I was little and someone put on Jaws, which, you know, was an older movie. And like the first minute terrified me so much. I was like, I need to go home. Like I I was like, Aww. I was like, mom, I'm scared. I was terrified. They didn't even show the shark at that moment. I was just that girl flailing about and I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm out. I somehow overcame that though. And I'm so glad I did because I've got to experience this genre in a way that I wouldn't have if I, you know, let my fear get to me still. In a way, I'm like, yeah, I'm like a final girl. I survived this. I survived being scared. And when I saw Scream, I will have to say Billy and Stu unlock something that I never knew and that scene yes. yes in that kitchen scene my goodness I was like I should not be attracted to this right now but I am I was too I think that there was some <laughs> definite subtext there <laughs> and it was something that I think for a lot of you know especially queer fans uh queer horror fans it was like well, wait a sec. This is awesome. This is like right here. This is the driving kind of motivation behind these two characters really is that you know, Billy was kind of the the mastermind and Stu, I, you know, kind of went along with it. And I think because he wanted Billy's approval and was into him a little bit. Yeah, we I, I actually did a whole episode on Billy and Stu and their relationship and the sexual um, yeah, undertones of their uh, of their relationship how it's depicted on my show. It was it aired a few a few weeks ago and I, you would believe I got like a bunch of different types of responses. People would be like, "Oh my gosh, that's exactly how, how I felt. I've never thought about it this way." People were negative about it. "Oh, you're reading too much into it." But I think that's the beautiful thing about art. And, you know, I think the screen movies, they pull this really amazing trick off of being really amazingly made movies by Wes Craven, like the direction and like the form, beautiful. But also like and they have this all this social commentary, but it's not not it's never in your face about it. It's something it's they're movies that appeal to mainstream people like because they're very fun and attractive to mainstream people love murder mysteries there's the self-referential element but there's uh, they're very artfully made and i think they're they're just brimming with art like i could talk about the symbolism of the smallest thing you know i could literally do you know i could talk about sydney's storyline and scream 3 every day 365 days a year and still find something new to talk about oh my gosh the just the self-awareness of these movies is something i have always been drawn to kind of how they get meta with everything i just blinked on the kid's name who oddly survives and that you randy thank you my goodness my brain just went but randy with his character it is so it's it's such an insert role he is almost acting as the narrator to us like to the audience like hey do you realize what's going on and it's just such a fun little aspect to the movie 
And I loved his role in Scream 3 as well with such a perfect touch. I was like, yes, thank you. I think, when they, I think when they realized that maybe they should have kept Randy on a little bit longer. But then we got his sister, Martha, who I actually thought was a pretty endearing character with and herself, and I believe is returning to Scream 5, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Well, protect Martha. And I have to say, you know, I I think Randy's death is such a is such a cool thing because it really evokes very strong sentiments from people. I, if Kevin Williams had come to me and said, Ryan, what should I do? Should I kill him off or should I keep him? I would have advised him to kill him off. I really would have because even though everything you said is 100% true and I think it really sets up the movies well and I think there is such a dramatic potency to that of killing off Randy. And I, I don't think... Sydney's character arc could have come full circle if Randy was still in the picture because something that's really important to Sydney's mm -hmm. who she is and where how she finds the strength to go and save Gail and Dewey at the end of Scream 3 is she is all alone. She has lost everybody. She has lost her boyfriend, her best friends, you know, Randy. Like she's lost all these, you know, people. And I think, uh, you know, that's what pushes her into hiding. And that's what, you know, that's what pushes her her story forward. So I, I think it was the right decision. I think what was great about it is that he knew enough to prepare ahead of time, just in case for that situation, which I think is perfect for Randy's character. So I'm not necessarily mad that they didn't keep him on for longer. I, I thought it was a nuts, nice touch for Randy's character to have already done that been like all right i'm just going to prepare for the fullest in case this happens so i love well, i actually love that you know i think after a while it would have gotten old having four survivors and i think it would have made the movie feel a little stretched thin a little bit because i always felt like at the heart of scream has always been the trio of sydney gail and dewey and i think it was great to have randy along for the first two entries to kind of bring us into this world of self-awareness but once we knew the rules of this established universe and i mean you know they're nothing new they're all tropes of the horror genre but once they had been established like in universe i understand why you know they they got rid of his character because he ultimately served his purpose and like you said ryan he pushed sydney into her uh her arc in your guys's opinion what is your favorite moment out of all of the scream franchises just one like my all-time number one? Ooh, if you have a little... I know, it's so hard to pick. <laughs> what, how about standout moments? Okay. So my favorite... My all-time favorite moment from any of the four films is... Uh, I, I mean, this is... I'm going to be sappy, but... Uh, the I love the the ending to Scream Three is my favorite. Like I I think that's what made me fall in love with Scream so mm -hmm. much is whenever Sydney gets the call at the at the police station and she has to go to the mansion to save Gail and Dewey. That whole like there are so many twists and turns and there's so much great character work going on and the finale is so exciting and the brother twist is so classic. Th that is just like it, it, a plus to me. It's my it's my it's my heart. But the best my favorite moment of all time is at the end of that when after she kills Roman and she's sitting there next to him as he's dying and she holds his hand. It's such a beautiful moment. The way that Wes shoots it, the way it's written, it's so layered with, you know, Sydney, like Roman's the only killer she's, she kneels with and sits with him as he dies. Like, so I feel like there is some empathy there. It's a very complicated relationship because they just met, you know, they're, they're siblings that, you know, she didn't know about. Her mom did a really crappy thing to this guy that set all of this stuff in motion. There's a lot of conflicting emotions going on. And it's so beautifully captured by the acting and the writing and the score, the, the lighting. It's just, I think it's just a masterclass moment. I think, you know, it's not a scary moment, but it's dramatically one of the best moments in film. Mac. So, so I would say that I have two favorite moments of the Scream franchise. And it's not like they're deep or anything, but I just really love them. One of them is Gail's chase scene in Scream 2 and how she ends up behind the, what was it? Like the the recording booth um, yes. in the basement of the college or something. And we see, you know, ghost faces all after her and Dewey is trying to pound on the glass, but Gail can't hear him at first until Ghostface starts stabbing Dewey. And honestly, because we had just lost Randy, I was like, well, that's it for Dewey. There goes Dewey. And so I wasn't feeling 
anything too great about Gail, but I just loved how tense that scene was. I always thought Scream did a great job with their chase scenes, even some of the small ones like Sarah Michelle Gellar's chase scene in the second one, Sydney briefly battling Ghostface in the first one. I always liked the heightened tension and the not really knowing like who was going to emerge alive from this because, you know, in the first movie we had Drew Barrymore's character who was unceremoniously at the time, I mean, killed off within, you know, the first 10 minutes and that was a huge thing back then. So I would definitely say the chase scene in Scream 2. And then my other favorite moment is Scream 3 when Gail and Parker Posey's character Jennifer Jolie meet Carrie Fisher who's in the you know the studio and she's the one who gives them information on Sydney's Prescott's mom's uh, you know her acting career and everything and so I love that mostly because we got to see Carrie Fisher and we had some like digs at you know her own career and her life and everything and I just loved her sense of humor and I really liked the dynamic between Gail and Jennifer I love those characters and I honestly I wish we had gotten to see more of them yeah, for sure. I I mean, I know this is probably going to seem like a cop-out, but I do, when I think of Scream, I love the scene with Drew Barrymore. It's so iconic. Yeah, and it's it, that. It's one of those scenes that just lives in your mind. Like, so many things have referenced it, you know? It's just amazing the tense that builds up of, well, it's almost like they're flirting a little bit at the beginning. She's like, well, why are you calling? It's like, ooh, well, what's your favorite scary film, you know? And just kind of further and further leads you into this tale of horror and her just running as her parents are coming down. How is that not one of the best openings of a movie ever, you know? And the mom, the mom scream at the end. It was so perfect. Cut to title. It was excellent. You know, I'm so glad that you said that in the way that you described that because like, and the way that like, Gail's chasing was described in Scream too. I think all three of us hit on something very specific about Scream and why it's different than other horror movies. It, the, the emotion that's created, like the, the dramatic emotion in, you know, with Casey's parents, you know, hearing her on the phone as she's dying or, you know, Gail seeing Dewey stabbed, you know, thinking that he's dead. Like, you know, and what the example that I, I raised, like they're all so dramatically effective. And as much as Scream is scary and funny, it is, it works as a real human drama piece. The writing in this franchise, I love it. If every horror movie could be written like the first trilogy of these movies, I mean, what could go wrong with that? The the complex characters, it's funny, it's scary. It really does make you think as well. It questions our morals, what's wrong, what's right. And like you were saying, we have empathy for some of these characters because they were affected by an outside source that technically we we had a first bias to regarding how Sydney felt because that was her mom. She knew her as one way. And then it's almost like we're discovering a side of a parent that we didn't know. And it's like, then you have to take into the psychological aspects of the other people who are affected and why they would be hurt enough to cause all the terror that they are. So it's, mm -hmm. it's so fascinating and I love it. And notice how we're not mentioning Scream 4. I was going to ask about that. And let me just say that I actually really, I did enjoy Scream 4. But as far as like my ranking in the, in the, in the, you know, the first four movies, it's the lowest one, which isn't to say I didn't like it or anything, but I'm curious about what your thoughts are. And listen, I love Scream 4 in a way, like, you know, it has grown on me. Like whenever I first saw mm -hmm. it, I was disappointed in the fact that it didn't have the same tone as in look and feel as the original trilogy because the original trilogy to me is so sacred it's like one big story arc it's like the first three lord of the rings in my opinion and scream four comes out with this bouncier tone and it's lighter there isn't as much character development a weird look to it it ends in a weird place like but i've grown to love it for what it is and now that it's not the final movie in the series i've grown to appreciate it more i think it has a lot to say and a brilliant commentary about the state of remakes and about culture and i think the the twist of jill as the killer is very smart and I think Gail is amazing in Scream 4. I think it's a great character arc for her but it's it's just it's just a little bit different and I think we all kind of were tiptoeing around this. Scream like the, the original trilogy is very nostalgic in a way and because all three of them are so specific and they all fit together like a big puzzle Scream 4 coming along and not really fitting into that world it's hard it's hard you know. It is hard it's a little jarring but I almost appreciate it about that because since it's new it's jarring your senses it's 
I was a little disappointed, like you, Ryan, where the writing didn't fit that tone, but it added a lot, I think, to that modern world. Like you were saying, I feel like, you know, it was tugging on a new generation to get them interested, hopefully in this. I mean, granted, I feel like MTV doing their own Scream TV series kind of... <laughs> um, you There's know, some head shaking uh, going on here. <laughs> and I I watched the first season of it. Same. I did as well. Yeah. I don't... I didn't like it. I thought it tried too hard. There wasn't the iconic ghost face mask. And and that's the thing. If you're actually doing a Scream TV series franchise and having it in a different town, like a copycat. I thought it was going to be a copycat killer who saw the costume and said, oh, this is how I could get my revenge, right? But when you don't have that iconic killer with that name, what's the point? You could just call it something else. And it's just such like, a money grabber of like, hey, it has the same title as your, you know, one of your favorite horror movies gives us a chance. And it's like, like, no, <laughs> stop it. It's not the same thing at all. And for the most part, it was, it felt like one of those shows that was that, you know, took the Scream name because they knew it would bring in audiences. And I think there were a few cool concepts introduced in the series, so like one of the things I remember in the pilot episode is when the first the teenage girl that we meet is being hunted by the killer in her, in her own house, and she runs outside, and her phone gets wet, and she's like trying to call nine one one, but her phone isn't responding well because of you know because it she's by the pool and it got wet and everything. Um, and I think that some of the story ideas that they explored, I can't remember the killer's name. I think it was Brandon something. I think that they had they had some cool concepts that they could have easily tied in with. The the main Scream universe, but because it felt so disconnected, it just felt like you were watching something that only shared a name and that was it. There was there was no references. It wasn't set in Woodsboro. It didn't feature any like cameos from the characters that we grew up with. And so I know that there's a thin line when you make a new a new addition to an established franchise. You want to appeal to the people who have been with the franchise since the beginning, but you also want to bring in those new audiences. And I just think that the Scream TV show missed the mark. On well, they, they didn't need a set in Woodsboro. You know what I mean? It could have just been a kid who, you know, saw maybe like, like a news program, Woodsboro killer, like talk about it type of sit down, like 60 seconds, you know, type of thing and was inspired by it. And that mm -hmm. could have been good. I just feel like you need the mask. If you're going to do anything with anything Scream, you need ghost face mask. And when I saw it for the first time, I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a simple mask, really. It's not a difficult mask to procure. It's iconic. It's something that people have been using before the movies came out. And so, yeah, it, it, I mean, it was I mean, weird. Granted, I didn't look into like copyright issues or what their their deal was when they made it and you know i don't know what the executives in hollywood discuss but i definitely think it was the wrong call for whatever happened yeah i you know i remember whenever the show first came out i watched the first maybe two episodes and was like nope can't do this i i actually did sit down and i watched the series in full i think the second season does portray some interesting twists that we didn't get we never got to see in the the original series um so a fun tidbit so jill you know the killer in scream 4 mm -hmm. she was in the in the original script she got away with it so and then scream 5 would have taken place kirby was hypothetically survived scream 4 so scream 5 was that's my theory that jill and kirby were in college and jill had this secret that she got away with it you know um and they kind of replicated that in season two of the of the TV show. So it's kind of interesting, but it's honestly, I don't even think of the Scream TV show as a part of As the, a part of the franchise, yeah. As a part of the family, so. I don't, but I was like, we have to touch on it because it's it does exist in a certain extent. Yeah. And I, it is somewhat canon, isn't it? I've kind of grown to be a little humble with it and just accept it for what it is. And it's fine. And I'm just, it can, it's its own thing, but it's, you know, whenever we talk about Scream, 
we're talking about the movies or the yeah. TV show, not both, you know? So. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely the stepchild, so. Yeah. The, the weird cousin. Yeah, the, the weird cousin that's like, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Shows up at oddly times. Yeah. It's, it's so... off-kilter mask and, you know, weird vibe. Yeah. Well, I mean, what what's also great about the three of us is that we have a love for Scream 3 when, like Matt yes. mentioned earlier, the horror community wasn't so fond of. And I know there's a tragedy that happened kind of around the same time as Scream 3, which did affect it. But, you know, what do you feel... Why don't you feel like people liked it? Like, I thought it was hilarious. I love, again, kind of the meta aspect of it all, uh, you know, taking place on a Hollywood studio, even though we know this is being filmed exactly like this, you know? <laughs> it, it, it To me, it was so amusing and, and, and genius in a way, too, of having the actors versus the, the actors playing these characters and, you know, kind of doing the whole method acting. <laughs> well, so... Honestly, I really think like Scream 3 is a case where the reputation that it's bad precedes any conversation. So people, whenever they watch Scream 3, they're looking out for the worst, if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think a a lot of it has to do with the fact that there was a change in writer from Kevin Williamson to Aaron Kruger, not because of the, the scripts themselves, just because of that change. And people were unfamiliar with that. I think people harp on the wrong things. I think they sometimes see like the comedy as being too much and they focus on the comedy whereas they don't look at Sydney's character arc or they don't look at the interesting thing here and sometimes I, I really you know I've been dealing with people naysayers of Scream 3 for 15 years <laughs> it's been a long time and I've grown a lot as a person I've grown I've grown very humble as a Scream fan I do think some of it just comes down to taste you know some things in Scream 3 are just very controversial some people love Maureen Prescott's scary scene where she's in the window with Sydney's nightmare some people hate it some people love the voice changer, like me. Some people hate the voice changer. Some people love the sibling twist. Some people hate it. So some people, the, the, the setting of Hollywood too, very controversial. Some people love it. Some people wish it was in a, was in a small town. So I think it's just, it's just one of, it just, I think at the end of the day, it's just one of those movies. And I think the, the drama with Kevin Williamson has to do with that. But you know, the, the nice thing about Scream 3 is it has come around over the years. Like people are gro- really growing to love it. Like if you ask people what their ranking is, I don't think Scream 3 would automatically be at last. And that, that's not the same as it was 10 years ago. You know, Scream 4 has really grown as a reputation of not being great. You know, a lot there are there are people who don't love Scream 2. So I mean there I think Scream 3, especially in the light of Me Too, because Scream 3 told the story of Me Too, you know, 17 years before it was a thing yeah so i think all those things combined time i think people are starting to come around to it and be more open-minded and that's all i really ask of people anymore like and that's what i try to do with my show is i wouldn't focus on the plot and the characters you know i don't want to talk about the fact that nev was only on set for you know a month versus everybody else like that's those things don't matter let's talk about the actual movie and what it's saying and talk about the characters you know exactly and i feel like you know when you're looking at even Scream 4 too, the character development is particularly juicy. And, you know, there's so much meat on those bones, like layer by layer of peeling them off and finding something new. You know, there's always a discovery aspect and there's always a journey. And again, like we were saying earlier, character development, especially for women characters, is so hard to find. Mm-hmm. Even nowadays, even when they're saying, oh, yeah, we're going to have powerhouse of women films, sometimes they lack. And yeah. again, it's it's a lot of factors go into play when that happens. You don't have the right writers working on it. You know, it's not their story that they want to tell. And I'm so just thankful that these movies in particular are so willing to tell that and to give an opportunity for all these characters to have those moments that we just enjoy watching so much. And they do that without alienating the audience. Like, I, I mean, yes. the, the first three screen movies before Halloween 2018 came out with Jamie Lee Curtis, 
the, no slasher movies ever came close to earning the types of money that the first three screen movies did and like even now there's still i think halloween 2018 is the number one slasher of all time but then uh you know the the original trilogy is literally two three and four of all time like so they do all these really progress i always say wes craven was making woke movies without without asking for the credit back then you know what i mean like 100 yeah, like he, you know, I think that they're very mainstream and they, I love that Scream brings these things into the mainstream and it's just normal and fun and appealing, you know? Because I feel like there's so many characters who are worth being talked about, worth being t- like written about. And that's what this does. And it, it just proves that people do enjoy it. It yeah. does. Like Absolutely. people enjoy character arcs. Like it's a thing. <laughs> you can have that in a movie. And people want that like you know i think you just tell a good story and you tell you have good characters they will come you know what i mean and that scream proves that you're right let's see here so i did pull up the rotten tomato scores of each scream and here's what i love to do i like to guess what the critic score was and the audience score was and kind of compare our thoughts to that because most of the time i don't agree with these i don't i don't so let's see. For Scream 1, what do you guys feel like? Matt, guess first. What do you feel like the critic score was? What do you feel like the audience score was? I think the critic score, and I haven't looked these up. I don't have them pulled out in front of me. So I just wanted to preface this with that. But I think the critic score was 95%. I think the audience score was 87. Ryan, do you want to take a guess? I, I kind of know already. So do you want to do, you, do you want to pass? Got it. Okay. Yeah, let's just do. It's so crazy to me how they're both 79%. 79%? Really? It's, it's insane to me. Because they're so well written. And so like. So are they both 79%? Yeah. Wow. What the heck? Can I, can I just preface this too? Like yes. I Rotten Tomatoes back. And back when the movie, when these movies came out, like even like, I, I guess a lot of these reviews would have been incorporated like after Rotten Tomatoes. I'm sure Rotten Tomatoes didn't exist in 1996, but I feel like movie critics back in the 90s are different than they are today. And Rotten, if Scream would have come out today, it would have that 90, you know, percent. But critics were harsher. Uh, even like, um, uh, they uh, critics were harsher and like, uh, they I, critics overwhelmingly approved of Scream, but it still wasn't in vogue to be like, "Ooh, horror is so great." So, like with the you know with everything in context, I think it makes sense. Um, I'm just happy that they have such nice scores when when compared to other horror movies. So, for sure. Since Mac is the only one who hasn't seen the scores, I'm just going to go through them. Scream Two, the critics gave 81 percent, okay. and audience score 57 percent. What? See, I told you there are some people who just don't like Scream Two. I can't explain it, um, but yeah. So I've just started learning about the fact that people didn't like Scream Two because honestly, I think it was one of those that was better than the original, and it ties in with that conversation they had at the beginning in the college class of you know are sequels necessary? And I honestly thought that this sequel was necessary and i loved it so i'm i'm surprised by that a lot of people think that it drags in the middle which i don't i can't say i disagree i don't disagree with but i mean it's but that's such a small complaint i don't know i i can't really explain in a nutshell why people some people don't like scream too but it's generally the law yeah i like it i mean i i've always enjoyed it so funny the opening sequence of Scream 2 that takes place at the movie theater. I actually went to a midnight showing of Scream 1 at that same theater and it was no way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I did. I was like I don't know how I found it and I was like yes I'm going. I'm going. I bought two tickets. I didn't have someone to go with and one of my coworkers was like my daughter is a friend like is a fan of Scream. I'm like great. So we met had a great time and you know people are dressed as ghost face and I was like oh my Aww. gosh they're dressed as ghost face in the same theater. Ah! It was honestly, which is what makes Scream Two so realistic in the beginning. You know, like people going to the theater dressed as Ghostface, thinking that the murder they just watched is a publicity stunt. You know, like wow. Yeah, I think I think the Rotten Tomatoes isn't really a great indication of any of these movies, no. to be honest. Oh God, no! I there, it's definitely not at all. I shudder to think <laughs> at what Scream Three has. Thirty-seven <laughs> percent uh, audience rating and forty. Oh God. Which is I'm not wrong. surprised, so but I don't wrong. agree. <laughs> so I actually have a comment about this after you go through Scream 4, if, if that's okay. Yes. Um, Scream 4, 
critics gave 60% and audience gave 56%. That seems on brand. That seems, that makes sense to me. So, you know, but like at the same time, Scream 4 does have its lovers. Like, and I, and I do love Scream 4 does have its fans and it does have its, the people who really love it. Um, So it does, it, it's, a, it, it's still surprising to me. Like these are not bad horror sequels. If you want to watch, see bad horror sequels, go watch the first, I mean, Friday the 13th. Like, I mean, I mean, th- it, this is just ridiculous. Like, I don't think that Rotten Tomatoes captures this well at all, but especially like the movies, like the, uh, like the critics indication. I don't, if you actually read the reviews by critics back then, uh, you know, Scream 3's reviews aren't that bad. It actually got rave reviews from both the New York Times and the LA Times. And so, like, if you look at Metacritic, it kind of gives a different picture. So do you mind if I read off the scores for Metacritic? Oh, my God, please. I love this. <laughs> so, and I, again, like, just keep in mind what I said earlier. Like, you know, uh, they, you know, just critics, whatever. It was it, it was a different time. Well, um, also, so. too, to, to go into that case of point, it's, you know, it's horror genre. People don't really see it as prestigious or a lot and yeah they've uh, never been kind to the horror genre unfortunately all right so scream one on metacritic.com and metacritic they this is a website that takes for people who don't know i mean i don't mean to patronize uh you know this is they they take like the big film critics maybe like the big 50 film critics who get paid you know like the wall street journal new york times whatever whatever so um scream one has a 65 and it's green so that's good scream two has a 63 it's also green, so we're good. Scream three has a fifty-six. Um, it, it's it's yellow, but that's still it's still pretty good for a horror sequel. And Scream four has a fifty-two, which is, which is also yellow. And the user scores are for Scream one eighty-nine, for Scream two eighty-six, Scream three eighty-five, and Scream four is sixty-five. So there we go. I, that sounds like I a feel good. Like <laughs> this is more reflective of the reality of the situation. I think so too. You know. Geeky Waffle, we we use Rotten Tomatoes a little, but even then, it's like, I don't agree with, like, half of the things they say on there. And then again, especially for horror movies, I feel like fans love horror movies more than critics in general. You know, that's just how it's always going to be. But I feel like critics have failed to just get past the title of horror genre. You know, if they just look deeper into it, I feel like, you know, just set your, whatever bias you have aside and just look at this movie for what it is. Classic. It's funny. There's scares in it. There's unexpected turns and twists and reveals. And that's not just for the first Scream movie. That is for all of them. And mm-hmm. I don't know, this this franchise is probably my favorite of, of really anything. And it's... <laughs> It's weirdly a comfort film, you know, like, you know what you're getting into and it just, it's fun. It's a fun ride, even though there's like moments that tug on your heart. It's someone on my show just described it as Scream is in the elite franchises. And I can't think of a better way to describe it because all all of these movies, even Scream 4, even though it does its own weird thing, all, all four of these movies are very solid in their characterization, in their plot. They're fun. They're scary. They're dramatic. Like, they are very consistent. And that is just something that's non-existent in the horror movies or in a lot of movie series in general. It's so true. I, I love Jurassic Park. Um, Not to get off to- totally subject. But, you know, if you're looking at the franchises, right? Because they're pretty much on par with how many movies they have. Where Jurassic Park starts off really strong, it trails down. And I feel like there is a consistency with Scream that you were talking about not a lot of movies have. Like, those franchises, it's not as consistent. There might be weird moments that we're like, oh, does it work? But the majority of it does. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. People people need to give this movie and, you know, overall franchise a second chance if they haven't already. I think that's the direction we're going in. I mean, I don't know if they're planning on releasing any more movies after Scream 5, but it looks like there's going to be this kind of resurgence in the franchise again. And so I'm both excited for what that means. And I'm also a little nervous because I always feel like 
when we have these big franchises and, you know, they've been established uh, and they have fans and then they are kind of revamped or reintroduced, there's always going to be some things that maybe won't set well or maybe you won't appreciate. But the thing that I like about the Scream, you know, the original three Scream movies is that they will always be there. They are always perfect films. And Brie, I agree with you. They're kind of, in a weird way, they're comfort movies. I am not worried at all about the quality of Scream 5. You know, these guys, uh, Matt and Tyler and Radio Silence in general, they love they loved the original movies. And I actually have heard that there are Easter eggs in the, in all four in the fifth movie of all four movies of for the fans could recognize like different little honors to them. I love so that. So these guys are the real deal. They're fans. They're I, and they took their time with this. So, and I, that's what I think is the biggest indication to me that they're going to do a good job. Um, what comes after this, who knows, but I would personally love another trilogy. I would love, you know, three movies, another arc, like we got with Sydney and Maureen Prescott. I want another, I would love to see another arc with um, the new characters. And I would love for mm-hmm. the surviving members to go along for the ride, kind of like st- the new Star Wars trilogy with the old, I, even if, even if one of them has to die in each of them, like the Star Wars, I would be okay with that. I just want them Ryan, to I literally was thinking the same thing. I'd be like, yes, I want it like a whole Star Wars. Give me the, the prequels. Give me the sequels. I want it all. <laughs> <laughs> and so Melissa Barrera, who was in, in the Heights, um, you know, she is going to be the main character of the new characters. And I, I, I know a little bit about her backstory just based on some, uh, you know, some leads that have ha- that happened but during the casting process. And she has a really good character. So I'm very interested to see how far we could go with her. So. Well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about fans writing this movie and actually taking their time. Because since they're fans, they're not going to want to see this franchise fail mm-hmm. at all. A, they want to see, yeah. yeah, they want to see this outlive everything because they're fans of it. If I was writing it, I would want the same thing. My motivation would be to produce something that all fans would enjoy, like something I would enjoy seeing, you know? And can you imagine like the 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 task that these guys have? They've made they had Ready or Not, which was a, which was a decent hit for them. You know, it made it made some decent money. But they it's not like they are veterans and they are just, you know, churning these out for the money. And plus to step into the shoes of Wes Craven, Wes MF Craven, who directed all four of these movies, he was the guiding light in the, in the the, found, the solid foundation to these the, this series that, that made it so special. For him to be gone and for them to step into this, like that is a daunting task, and their reputations are kind of on the line. So I don't, I think yeah. they're going to deliver. I think so too. Speaking of everything, what did you guys think of the Scream Five trailer? I was, I've been thinking about this, the trailer, the whole conversation, because there's a line that Sydney says in it that has just kind of been burned into my mind. And it's a really simple line, but I think it's perfectly mirrors her growth is I'm Sydney Prescott. I always have a gun. And one of the reasons it gives me goosebumps is because in the original two movies, that's not something you would hear her say. And that's not a place that she was in. And she didn't kind of look at herself as this badass survivor who's had to fight and fight. She just kind of saw herself as this young woman who's caught in these horrible things that are happening around her. And so to see her now, to see her acknowledge, like, I'm Sydney Prescott. I faced this before. I'll probably face it again. I might even die, you know, doing something like this, but I'm ready and I'm not going to let them ruin me again. And I just, I thought that that was a perfect line. And I love, I love the trailer. I'm very excited. I think it's a solid trailer. Um, it made me, it, it, it's, uh, I think the, think Sydney's scenes and Dewey's scenes look phenomenal, uh, especially Sydney. Like that was the best thing about the trailer. Like, watching Sydney's scenes in the trailer gave me such a sense of peace because they have such a good perspective on her. Um, you know, my, my favorite moment in the trailer is actually when Sydney goes to Melissa Barrera and says, are you Samantha? You know, just get prepared. This is your life. You have to accept it. You know, I'm here for you. I've been through this. You know, I think I'm just, I'm very excited. And the trailer is a fun trailer. And I hope that, and I think it's actually getting good vibes from people who aren't like you you don't have their fingers in this all day long like like i do because i I saw it before halloween kills and the excitement and the 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 talking that happened like people like oh i didn't know there was a new screen movie this looks like a screen movie oh it's so cool so i think it's gonna do well i'm so excited for it i am just anticipating its release just to be in there and kind of i don't know just I'm, i'm so ready to invest and see what unfolds and, you know, they're, you know, you kind of always wonder, well, who, who's going to step into Ghostface this time? 
And I believe there's a line in the trailer, or even if it's a tagline in the movie of... It's always someone you know. Yes, thank you. It's always <laughs> someone you know. And it's been true for Sydney. Yeah. Even though she didn't necessarily know them, they knew her. Yeah. And I'm so interested to see if it's going to be someone for Sydney or someone for these new characters who are going to be thrown into living this nightmare of ghost face. And it's, it's really interesting. That's, and that's so beautifully told. And I think that kind of gets the heart of like some of the another themes that are at the heart of, of the, of the screen movie, like this idea of how creepy it is that somebody in your life or, you know, who knows you, like, you mm-hmm. know, that has a vendetta against you for some reason, how real that is. So no, I think it's, I think it's a great tagline. Um, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a hit. I do too. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited so, too. <laughs> so with that said, let's do, I, I'm so curious to hear kind of like final thoughts on this franchise and, you know, anything else that. Well, my, as for my final thoughts, you know, I, I really just love these movies so much. Like I said earlier, they're like home to me. Uh, You know, the original trilogy, especially, like I said, the story arc that's formed in the first, uh, the first three movies is irreplaceable. I only like watching them as a back to back. So like whenever I watch Scream, like I have to set aside six hours to do it. And then I watch Scream 4 by itself, which I enjoy it more that way. Um, But yeah, same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, I just, I love, I love, I love this movie. These movies, I love the story. I love the characters. If you want to hear me talk about specifics of of the of the series uh, in depth, uh, please check out my show. It's uh, Scream with Ryan C. Showers. It's available wherever you can find your podcasts. So, yeah, that's th- that's all I have. So perfect, Mac. I one of the things that I really love and appreciate about the Scream franchise is that it's for horror fans specifically because we've always we've talked about these rules between our between you know in our little groups of friends we've discussed would you survive a horror movie and you know who's the killer they're all conversations that we've had as fans and so i think scream embodies that and is like a movie for horror fans specifically created by horror fans and i love the references to the genre i love a psycho like beginning of the movie i love just the overall direction of the first three films and i guess yeah my final thought is i'm just really excited to see what scream 5 has to offer and i think um we're gonna end up with a hit as well perfect yeah it's i don't know if if every movie could be written like the first three scream movies i would be very happy with everything (laughs) you know from the character development to just the actual look of Ghostface to the, like we were talking about the chase scenes and, and you know, the real moment with your friends as well with, you know, justice for, for Tatum, but you know, the whole like, Oh, do you want me to be a damsel? Like that's such a real visceral conversation, you know, of someone who doesn't know exactly what's going on when they're placed in this, you know, you think it's a prank. You think these are, you know, a, it's just someone dressed up and is trying to scare you, but then it's real. And I think there's something so grounded in these movies that just make them so realistic and relatable from, you know, just a simple, you know, just a simple acts of everything. And it just adds up. So, you know, I, I love that you guys love this series as much as I do. And, you know, well, we'll have to talk about Scream 5 when it comes out all together. So Ryan, I know, I know you mentioned where to find your podcast, but where can they also find you? So you can find me on Twitter. It's I'm at Scream with RCS. So I don't have a personal Twitter anymore. I just have um, one for my podcast. So, but you can find me, find me there. Perfect. And definitely check out his Scream podcast. It is so good. So happy that we got to connect on this show. And then I kind of blundered at the beginning of this and said co-host because Matt, one of our writers over at the Geeky Waffle, we are going to have a new podcast soon with the Geeky Waffle Network called Killer Waffles, which is going to be a horror podcast and talking everything horror. So Ryan, you'll definitely have to appear when we talk about our final girls, Gail and Sydney. Please. I I had a great time. Thank you guys so much for making, you know, making some room in the Geeky family to have me on. This was very fun. 
Yeah. And Mac, tell them how to find your writings, please. So you can find me at macthemuser.com. That's my personal website. It's just M-A-C-K and then themuser.com, Max Musings. And then you can find me on Twitter under Mac Veltman. So like I said, that's M-A-C-K and then last name Veltman, V-E-L-T-M-A-N. So yeah, come and check out my website and let's be all nerdy together. Perfect. And then you can find us over at thegeekywaffle.com, over on Spotify, Apple, everywhere that you can hear podcasts, and geeky underscore waffle for our Twitter. So once again, thank you guys so much for joining me and stay geeky.